And just as you are turning there or they're putting it up on the screen, I do want to mention a couple of things. Uh, First of all, Xavier had a birthday this week. He is 16 years old. Xavier, happy birthday. And then Leilani has a birthday today, and she's turning 18. Happy birthday, Leilani. And any of you that had birthdays this week that we didn't know about, congratulations to you as well. Galatians chapter 5, if you could read or stand with me just for a few moments as we read this. Now, here's the interesting thing. I'm going to be talking about the flesh versus the spirit. And my flesh tells me this morning that I missed it. My spirit tells me that this is the word of the Lord for today. So I guess the Lord is fulfilling that uh, even before our ears. Galatians chapter 5, welcome to everybody that's here, our guests that are here. We're glad you're here. Those that are watching online, uh, we're glad you're joining us. Starting at verse 13, it says, For brethren, again, Galatians 5, starting at verse 13, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 15, But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. 16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For, verse 17, for the, lust, or for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. My title this morning is going to be this, These Are Contrary. These are contrary. Lord Jesus, we are grateful for your sweet spirit that has been here. Every song that has been sung, everything that has happened thus far, we certainly believe, Lord, that you are in this house. I'm asking that you would use this message to the upbuilding of your kingdom for the furtherance of the gospel to minister to the hearts of those that are in need of this message today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The Bible, when you, when you look at the Word of God, when you study the Word of God, you will find that it uses many things that are li- literal, but it also uses things that are kind of like metaphors in many of its teachings. But again, whether it's a metaphor or whether it's literal, it is very important, and we need to understand it. If it's in the Word of God, it is important for us to understand and to know. In a few ways, the idea here that I just presented to you in these verses are metaphors, but I believe also that they have a literal meaning. For instance, when it says, but if you bite and devour one another, it is obviously a metaphor. I don't think anybody here is going to go over and start chewing on somebody else's arm. I don't think that's going to happen. And so when it talks about if you bite and devour one another, it's obviously, again, a metaphor. It is warning us against slandering. It's warning us against backbiting or saying things that are 
not uplifting about somebody else. And I think I'll just kind of say it like this. If you don't have something good to say, then don't say anything at all. Amen? Although I'm going to kind of probably touch on this just a little bit about how we should treat each other with honor and respect. I, my message really this morning is about that battle between the flesh and the spirit. And so you see the PowerPoint slide up there. These are contrary. In, in verses like these, we, uh, what is the, what, when the Bible is talking here, when it talks about the flesh, what is it talking about? When, when it's talking about the spirit, what is it talking about? So when it's talking about the flesh, it's obviously talking about that carnal, that sinful nature that earthly nature that we all have. And then when it talks about the Spirit, it is talking about the ability to live above that sinful nature. It is a higher, more spiritual walk with God that each and every one of us ought to have. And notice I said ought to have. Galatians 5 and 17, it says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, or one to the other. So that, the latter part of that verse says, so that you cannot do the things that you would. The Lord showed me something here, and I'm going to kind of bounce back and forth in several thoughts, but the Lord show, showed me something here in that latter part of that verse where it says, so you cannot do the things that you would. Now, I want to share something with you. Every single person in this room battles between the flesh and the spirit. Every person li listening to this online or that might ever hear this uh, is battling between the flesh and the spirit. So this is nothing new. It's happened from the beginning of time, and it will happen until the end of time. But everyone will fight the battle between the flesh and the spirit. What I'm trying to get through to you today is uh, which side is winning in your life? Uh, which side is being more victorious in your life? But I want to focus on something for a couple of seconds uh, when it says, so that you could not do the things that you would. If we are constantly battling between flesh and spirit and not getting victory, then what's happening is you're spinning your wheels in your walk with God. You're not getting anywhere. You're trying to move forward, but you got that battle between flesh and spirit. I want to preach a message this morning that will help people to get beyond that daily battle where you're spinning your wheels to where now you've got some traction and you're moving forward in God and you're doing doing something great and awesome for him and for his kingdom. I'm not saying we'll ever get over the battle between the flesh and the spirit, but we need to get to the point where the spirit is winning more than the flesh. In the Old Testament, God said in Ezekiel 36 and 27, he said, I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. In the Old Testament, it was about the law, it's about the rules and the regulations. And the Word of God, there's a promise that tells us that when God will put it into our heart, 
when God will get through that cranium and get it into our head and into our heart, when the Word of God and living for God becomes a law unto itself, then we are no longer bound by rules and regulations, but that Spirit that is within us, that voice of God that is within us is able to tell us the difference between right and wrong. It doesn't mean that the law will ever be done away with in the sense of what is wrong is always going to be wrong. What is right is always going to be right. But what I'm trying to get through to you is this. I don't want to give you a list of rules and regulations. I want you to have a relationship with God and for God to speak into your heart and tell you what is right and wrong and of course it's never going to contradict his word can I get an amen in Galatians 5 and 16 it says this I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh so if I'm preaching to somebody today that you have that lust of the flesh that seemingly wins every day every week and it seems like you're, you're giving in to the same old thing all the time you've got to get to the point where you're living in the spirit in your walk with God rather than in the flesh each of us as Christians has uh, the same battle. We battle, we fight, uh, we, we battle these things. Uh, my question to you this morning is this, uh, which side is winning? Uh, is the flesh winning or is the spirit winning? Uh, is God winning or is your flesh winning? That's my question this morning. If you find yourself looking around and criticizing other Christians and the church, then your flesh is winning. If you get angry and bitter and have trouble forgiving and forgetting, then your flesh is winning. If being faithful to church is hard for you, then it's that your flesh is winning. If you're not praying and reading your Bible, then your flesh is winning. If you don't consider asking God first, then your flesh is winning. If you gossip and slander people, then your flesh is winning. I didn't plan on making any friends this morning but I believe the Lord will be okay with what I preach. If the news of what is going on in the world gets greater attention from you than what the Spirit is doing and what God is doing, then your flesh is winning. I said this a few weeks ago. I'm going to say it similar to uh, what I said a few weeks ago. Since when does CNN and Fox News and Channel 61 and the Hartford Current take, property, pro, uh, take priority over 66 books, 929 chapters, uh, two, uh, uh, sorry, 783,137 words that we call the Bible? Your flesh says, I'm too tired to get up and go to church. But the Spirit says, I need to get to the house of God. I need to feel the presence of the Lord. 
And I'll say this, and I'm probably going to step on somebody's toes, but I'm not going to apologize for it. If you can get up early to go fishing or early to go golfing or early to do your favorite activity, but you have to drag yourself out of bed to come to church, uh, then your flesh is winning. If you get offended easily, your flesh is winning. If you can't forgive, then your flesh is winning. Uh, I'm preaching against that this morning. I'm trying to help us to understand. Uh, amen. If you can't be friendly, then your flesh is winning. Uh, if you can walk by somebody without saying hello because of the color of their skin, then your flesh is winning. If you look at somebody differently because the smell of the world is upon them when they come to the church uh, and you look at them differently and without compassion, then your flesh is winning. Uh, but if you can look at them and say, there's a soul that Jesus died for. If it were not for the Spirit of God and what He's done in my life, uh, there go I. Uh, I'm going to treat them with love. I'm going to treat them the way that Jesus would treat them. Uh, I'm not going to stick my nose up in the air with a holier-than-thou attitude, but I'm going to give myself to them as much as I can. I am going to win this battle over the flesh. I'm going to win this battle over the things of the world and the things that are contrary one to the other. The battle is going to be in you, but which one is going to win? Yes, they're contrary. The flesh doesn't want to do the things of the Spirit. Amen. And the Spirit battles against the flesh. They are contrary one to the other. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I want to read Galatians 5, 17. It says again, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other, so that you could not do the things that you would. The word contrary means, it means and it is defined as opposite. But the Lord showed me something that it doesn't necessarily fit with the dictionary definition. The dictionary says that contrary is defined as opposite. But one thing the Lord impressed on me this week is when it talks about that word contrary, it's talking about antagonistic. Your flesh is antagonistic. Sorry, Sister Ellen. In other words, it is antagonizing or it is pushing against the spirit. Like a bully, it's bragging. Like, I got some things in my head. I got to try to figure this out. But it is antagonistic. It is not just contrary. It is contrary. And contrary meaning opposite. It is opposite. I understand that. And that's true. But there's an antagonistic attitude that comes along with the flesh. That is not just opposite. It is militant. And there is that struggle, that is, there is that war. And it is that 
irritating that comes against us. In some ways, the struggle, the struggle and, and have you ever gone for a walk, and as you walk, a little pebble gets into your shoe, and that's irritating, correct? You either try to wiggle your toes or move your feet around inside your, your sneakers somehow to kind of push it out of the way, or you stop and you sit on the bench and you pull your sneaker off and you dump that thing out. You all got that analogy? Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes the flesh is like a piano dropping on your head. And so whether it's like a piano dropping on your head or like that irritant that's trying to get under your skin, you need to learn how to get victory over it. Sometimes people in our lives push our buttons. Too often, I say. But sometimes people just get under our skin and they push our buttons. Sometimes you have got such animosity between you and someone else that all you have to do is look at them and see them. They don't have to say a word. There's just something there that says, I'm going to get even with you one of these days. Or there's something in our spirit that just kind of says, you know what, I can love everybody but you. And if that's the way it is, then your flesh is winning. Let me ask you a question. How can you not love somebody that Jesus died for? We justify bad attitudes and bad spirits because, well, you know what, I prayed and I just can't get past it. You know what, you need to pray through. That's what you need to do. We don't say that a whole lot anymore about praying through. We ought to say it a lot more. Praying through means uh, you get beyond that flesh. Praying through means you stay on your knees until you get the victory. Praying through means you stay on your knees until you get the Holy Ghost, until God washes over you and you can walk out feeling holy and clean and white and pure. We need to get to the point sometimes uh, where I'm not going to leave the church uh, until I get rid of this bad attitude and I get rid of this bad spirit uh, and I get rid of this uh, fleshly temptation that's come upon me that I've been battling day in and day out, night in and night out. Uh, I'm going to put my face on the carpet if I have to and I'm going to pray through. Excuse the illustration, but if if you ever see a box of cookies and you say, I want one, But your diet says, I better not. I want you to be honest right now. How many of you that were here last week had one of those awesome cupcakes that Sister Alicia made? Or was it you? Was it Cain? Anyhow, don't answer that. But if you had a choice between one of those awesome cupcakes and carrot sticks... 
which one would win? Cupcake. And which one would win, whether it's a bowl of M&Ms, thank God, glory to God, amen, hallelujah, or some fruit or vegetable? I'm sorry to tell you, and it's obviously evident that the M&Ms win in my life. Flesh can be, <laughs> my wife says for sure, <laughs> Somebody said something online the other a few weeks ago about chocolate chip cookies or cookies or something like that. My wife said something like, my husband has eaten far more than his share of cookies. Anyhow, I could be insulted by that, but I wasn't. It's true. And so we can, we can, uh, we need to understand that that flesh can be human weakness, but it can also be sin. It can be sinful nature, and there is a difference. There's, there, we all have human weaknesses, but sometimes that human weakness goes beyond just a weakness to a point of sin and degradation. We can either be a person of the Spirit, a Christian, someone that wants to try to serve God, or a person of the flesh, someone that runs his or her own life without any regard for the things of God, but we cannot have it both ways. Romans 8 and 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, I need to remind you that if you are feeling condemnation is coming from the devil, but conviction is from the Lord. You ought to be thankful if you're still feeling conviction. Come on, somebody help out this preacher. You ought to be thankful if you're still feeling conviction because that's God's voice trying to talk to you. That's God's word uh, trying to expose what's going on in your life uh, before it destroys you. I'll say it like this. We don't compromise with flesh. We crucify it. We don't compromise with flesh. We crucify it. Romans 6 and verse 6 knowing, says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. All you have to do is look at someone who is bound by drugs to the depth of where they're using heroin or some of the harsher drugs. Many times all you have to do is look at them and realize that they are trapped, that they are bound. It has gone beyond experimentation to addiction. And I'm here to preach to anybody that wants to hear, if you're addicted to something, I serve a God uh, that is able to clean you up. I have literally seen people come to church drunk uh, and leave sober and filled with the Holy Ghost. 
I have seen people who have been bound by drugs for years and years and tried everything to get rid of it uh, and overcome it, uh, but God had filled them with His Spirit uh, and they didn't have to go back to it anymore. So in Romans 6 and 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We need to get to the point where that old man, that old person, that person that we used to be, no longer has victory in our life, is no longer getting traction in our life. Those bad attitudes that we used to have, we don't have them anymore. Those things that we used to compromise with, we don't compromise with them anymore. We destroy it. We don't live with it. We destroy it. We don't accept it. We destroy it. Somebody shout destroy. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a, somebody say it, new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So it says, therefore, I read it again, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The things that you used to struggle with should not be there at the same level of struggle that they used to be. The devil will always try to get you back into your old habits and into all those old ruts. He'll always try. That doesn't mean you have to say yes to it. That doesn't mean you have to accept that temptation. The Bible says that he will give us a way of escape. And so if you want the victory, you'll get the victory. If you want peace, you'll get peace. Uh, if you want to get beyond where you're at right now to a closer walk with God, uh, the only person, the only thing that's hindering you is not the devil, it's your flesh. Uh, in fact, my greatest problem is not the devil, it's me. I'm my worst enemy. My flesh is my worst enemy. The devil can't do anything to me, but I can destroy me. In Ephesians 4, starting at verse 22, it's a lengthy reading, but please put up with it. It says that you put off concerning the former conversations, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, uh, the things, those filthy stories you used to tell years ago, amen, those uh, sexual comments and things you used to make easily years ago, those things ought not to come out of your mouth anymore. Those, those thoughts ought not to bounce around in your brain anymore. The next verse goes on, and be, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, and it's going to name some things here. So there might be some people that will start squirming in your seats a little bit. Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. If you get so angry, if you can get so upset at something that filth starts spewing out of your mouth, you need the victory. Yeah. 
I don't care how bad a driver they are. I texted somebody recently. I, I was driving, and it seemed like every driver, every bad driver in the world was out there. I texted somebody and said, somebody's been taking bad driver pills. I mean, they were all bad. I was the only sane driver on the road that day. I was the only good driver on the road that day. Everybody else is cutting people off and giving people brake jobs and you know, all, I mean, it was just, I, I don't know, maybe it was a full moon or something. I don't know. But I, all I can say is everybody was not only bad, they were terrible. Kind of like, well, anyhow, I better not say that. And so it says, putting away lying, uh, verse 26, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. One of the problems that we have with anger is that we let it settle into our spirit. When the Bible says, let not the sun go down on your wrath, don't chew on it for a few days. Don't say, well, when I feel better a week or two from now, because you're never going to feel better a week or two from now. It says, let not the sun go down on your wrath. What that means is get right with it. Get right with that person before you go to sleep that night. Or at least, let me put it like this, do your part. If they choose not to forgive, that's on them. But you should not let it settle in your spirit. The next verse on, neither give place to the devil. If the devil walked in here right now, I don't, you know, red with horns and a forked tail. I mean, he doesn't look like that. But if he walked in here right now, I wouldn't go put my arm around him and say, I'm glad you're here. When we give place to the devil, it's like, okay, uh, devil, you can just come right over here and sit right by me. <laughs> you know, pet his greasy little head. When we give place to the devil, it's inviting him in or making room for him. Or if I can say it like this, leaving room for him. None of us are going to invite him in, I hope. But leaving room is leaving the door open. I don't know if I'm getting this across. But leaving room is leaving the door open. Well, you can come in. I'll just kind of ignore that you're here. That's not the way it should be in our lives. When it comes to the enemy of our soul, the doors ought to be barred and locked. The alarm should be on. I got a call around uh, maybe 4 or 5 o'clock a few days ago because the alarm went off at the church. And I, I have the alarm company. They, they know that, that they're supposed to call me first because things happen. You know, people will put decorations up in the Sunday school rooms and 
and, and forget about the fact that when the air conditioner kicks on, those things are going to start waving. And when they wave, they set off the motion alarm. And so that's happened dozens of times. So I just say, don't call the fire department. Don't call the police department. Call me. And so I got that early morning call, and I came over here, and I came in, and I turned the lights on, and I, I walked around the building, and I checked all the doors, and, and I couldn't see anywhere where anybody had broken in, but somehow a motion sensor said that somebody was in the church. So I checked the cameras, I checked the recording, I didn't see anybody, and I just figured, all right, I just locked everything up, and I went back, and I went to bed. And thankfully, nothing was amiss and nothing was wrong. But there was that warning that something could potentially be wrong. And when that warning is no longer sounding off in our life that something could potentially be wrong, we are in a very dangerous place. And so in verse 27, neither give place to the devil. The next verse goes on, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, there's a revelation, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. I could get into this, but I'm going to try to be kind. The next verse says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. That goes back to what I said before. If you don't have anything nice to say, then just don't say anything. That it may minister grace to the hearers. Verse 30 says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of re re uh, redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. If you're forgiven today, then you owe it to yourself and to other people around you to forgive them. You see, when we give our life to God, we do away with that sinful, ungodly nature, the things that we used to do, that old man. Uh, we crucify those things so that we can serve the Lord and serve him faithfully. In the middle of talking about the marital relationship, Paul writes in Ephesians, he says, and he, by the way, he's talking about the church. He's talking about you and I in Ephesians 5 and 27, it says that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. He's talking about the church, and he's talking about how that he will present the church to himself. It is a holy church. It is a glorious church. It doesn't have spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So let's break it down just a little bit. What God is showing us here, what is he showing us here? When he says not having spot, he's talking about no blemish. And what the Lord showed me the other day was this. What causes blemish in us is disobedience. 
Disobedience harms our relationship with God. Now, this is kind of a really terrible example, but let me use it. If your husband hates liver and you had an argument last night and he comes home today or tomorrow and you're serving liver, that's the flesh taking over. Amen. Let's try and get even. If your wife hates it when you come home and you're all greasy and nasty from work and you're all sweaty and you smell like a buffalo and you know she hates it, and you go and you put your arms around her and give her a nice big smooch and your face kind of slips off as you're giving her a hug or a kiss, but you know she hates it, that's the flesh. The Spirit says, I'm going to go take a shower first. Just saying. <laughs> so, so when it talks about spot, it's talking about disobedience. So I, I want to read again and show you a couple things. It says that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So spot is that uh, disobedience, a wrinkle when it talks about it here, it's talking about decay. It is, uh, you, you know, in the vigor and the beauty of youth, the bride uh, has no wrinkle with age. And, and so it is a, uh, you know, it, it, it is it's the best way to explain it like this. When it talks about wrinkle, it's talking about something that is getting old. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying is that our walk with God should never get old. Our walk with God should be renewed day by day. Just because you've been in the church 20 or 30 years doesn't justify a foul spirit and a bad attitude. Well, I've been in the church so long. Really? Well, i got to be kind. I mean, I'm grateful you've been in the church forever. But some of the lessons you should have been learning, maybe we need to relearn them. I guess I'll say it, when somebody is brand new and still has the stench of, of the world on them, but God fills them with the Holy Ghost, and they're just loving on everybody, and they're just glowing with the Holy Ghost, and somebody that's an elder in the church comes walking in, and it's like you got a rain cloud over your head as you're walking into the house of God. These things ought not so to be. It's not time that saves, it's the blood that saves. I guess I need to say that one again. It's not time that saves, it's the blood that saves. 
And there's some things we need to just get washed again with the blood of a spotless lamb. Amen. If he's going to present to himself a church that is without spot and without wrinkle and without any such thing, then we just need to get right with God. That's the bottom line is we need to get right with God. Whether you've been in the church five minutes or 50 years, we just need to get right with God. We need to clean it up and say, God, I want you to wash my spirit. I want you to wash me and make me pure and clean and holy and righteous. So then it talks about spot, it talks about wrinkle, and then it says any such thing. Or when he says, amen, he's going to present the church to himself without spot, without wrinkle, without any such thing. It's not going to be stained by the world. It's not going to age out in the point where, amen, now they just, well, they're just kind of coasting to get into heaven. But it says, or any such thing. In other words, if it's not covered by spot, if it's not covered by wrinkle, if there's any other reason, amen, you need to clean it up and get it right with God because he is going to present himself a church that is spotless, that is pure, that is holy, that is righteous. How tragic would it be if a bride on her wedding day on her way to come to the house of God to get married, is walking to her car and some guy in a Jeep comes along and hits a mud puddle on purpose and splashes her white dress. Those of you ladies, you know what I'm talking about. First of all, you just about have a heart attack trying to find the right dress. You all know what I'm talking about. At least shake your head. I mean, you, 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 you shop like 20 different stores and you, you know, you, you, I mean, no, 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 this is no good. That's no good. No way I'm not going to wear that. I wouldn't be caught dead wearing that. I mean, you go and, and finally all of a sudden, wow, that's the perfect dress. And you're just about going to sell a kidney to buy it. I mean, that's an awesome dress. And you're at home and you're getting all doodled up and your hair is all purty and you even smell nice. And you put that dress on and you go walk out the door and something happens and your dress is spotted. The moment is destroyed. I wanted him to see me when I'm walking through the door and faint. I wanted, the, I wanted the best man to have a catch him because he was like, oh, my goodness, she's so gorgeous. And now I walk in, and there's, you know, it's like you cr- climbed underneath the car because the clutch on the car went, and you're in your white dress, but you don't care. You just climb under the car, and you get under there with a wrench, and you fix. Now, how, how outrageous would that be? You're going to do your best to protect the garment because that garment says something. It says, I am presenting myself to a groom. Amen. We need to, pre- we need to present ourselves, and we will be presented to the Lord. The church is going to, the Lord is going to have a church without spot, without wrinkle, and without any such thing. Your choice is whether you're going to be in that church or not. Your choice is whether you're going to be ushered into the presence of God or not. Amen.
So the Bible talks about crucifying that old man. The only way that we can crucify the flesh is to submit to God and to his word. Remember, the Bible says obedience, it was, uh, Brother James was talking about it during prayer before service, obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen? We must fight against the flesh and its tendencies. Remember, the flesh and the spirit are contrary. And so you can't cast out flesh. You need to hear that. You can cast out the devil. In fact, I just, in, in all honesty, I'm not giving him any glory, but I just don't put up with him. It's like, you're not going to mess with me. You know, I, I'm washed in the blood. I'm sanctified by the Spirit. You are not going to mess with me. Go away and stay away. That's the easy part. Casting the devil's out the easy part. Dealing with this. That's the hard part. That's what I have to battle with. That's what you have to battle with. And don't, don't try to disagree with me because I'm right. I got the microphone. And so there is that war. And the scripture says obedience is better than sacrifice. So we fight, we fight against the flesh and its tendencies. And the flesh and the spirit, they are contrary. When we let the spirit win and we let God win out in our life, we can become powerful and victorious. Amen? There is not a person here or that will ever hear this message who wants to fail God. There isn't a person here who would rather have defeat over victorious Christian living. We all want to hear God's voice, and we all want to enjoy living for Him. Amen? We want to feel His sweet spirit and know that He is with us all the time. I want to ask you, those of you that have been baptized or filled with the Holy Ghost, what did it feel like when God filled you with his spirit? I was at youth camp when God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I went to bed that night spoke, speaking in tongues. They told me that I spoke in tongues all night long. And I woke up the next morning because I know I was awake. I was still speaking in other tongues. I remember at that moment feel, feeling like I was walking on clouds. I felt like, devil, if you show up right now, I am going to give you a right hook that's going to send you right back to the pit of hell. You're not going to mess with me today. And when I went home from youth camp filled with the Holy Ghost, I made a promise to the Lord. I'm going to read one book of the Bible every day until I read through the Bible. And so school was starting back up, and, and, and I was in high school at the time. I would get back from, from, from school that day, and I would read a book of the Bible from beginning to end. And then I would go, you know, if, if, if it was a long book, you know, sometimes I'd be up late at night. 
but I read one book of the Bible every day until I read through the Bible. I remember going to high school with my Bible in hand. Now, there's a revelation for you. And when I had uh, study hall, I'll never forget it. One time we had study hall. It was in the, um, it, it was in the um, cafeteria. No, it wasn't. Yeah, actually, one was in the cafeteria. The other one was, uh, was in another room. But anyhow, so I remember sitting there one day reading my Bible, and the teacher that was over, it was a big, huge room, and the teacher that was over study hall came walking up to me thinking I was maybe reading, like, pornography or something like that. And so here I am. I got my Bible up, and I'm reading it. And he walks up to me, and he looks down, and he says, not in a small, still small voice, by the way. I mean, in a voice when you could hear it in a room that's probably two, three times this size. Are you reading a Bible? Every eye in that auditorium, in that room, was on me. I'm looking around going like, well, yeah. And I remember at that time some of the young men in, in some of the classes that I had took it on them when they would see me walking in the hallways and they would see it if I was holding a Bible, they would take the Bible and just rip it out of my hands and throw it on the floor. And I could have fought back or I could have fought in the spirit. And I began to pray and talk to the Lord. They stopped their harassment. And I began to get favor in the Lord after that. And so what I'm trying to kind of come to a conclusion here in just a little while, I want you to understand that there is that battle between flesh and the spirit, those things that go on in our lives. And we've got to decide who is going to win or what is going to win. In Psalm 27 and 5, it says, For in the time of trouble he shall hide you in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. I remember one time a number of years ago when we were in New Hampshire on vacation. I know I've told this story before, but it's a good one, so I'm going to tell it again. And we were up in New Hampshire, and Josh, my son, and, and, and Ben, my nephew, we were out in, in my bass boat, and we were out fishing, and all of a sudden we could see in the distance, it was like this white wall of water was coming our way. And we were at a place where you just really couldn't get away easily or fast, and we saw this storm coming at us, and we're like, oh, my Lord, what are we going to do? We're going to get drenched. Lightning started flashing, and, and so I, I looked, and somebody had just built a brand-new boathouse, and it didn't even have a boat in it. I'm like, yes, cha-ching. And so I pulled my boat in there just as it started coming down in buckets. I mean, it was raining cats and dogs and horses and cows. I mean, it was raining. It was just coming down. And I'm a little worried thinking, like, the guy's going to come out with a shotgun or something like that and kick me out of his boathouse. But thankfully, nobody came. Thankfully, there was no boat there. But it, it was so brand new, it, you could still smell the freshness of the lumber. But I, I just pulled it in there. And as the storm was raging around us, uh, we weren't getting wet at all. And so after a little while, maybe it was 15 minutes or so, the rain stopped, and we just backed the boat up out of that 
that that that that boat dock or I mean that that, that boat house, uh, and we just went back to fishing. I mean, what else are you gonna do? You gotta go back to fishing. I mean, that's only the will of God, you know. It reminded me of how God can hide us in a pavilion. When the storm is raging around you and it seems like your family's falling apart and your job is falling apart, your career is falling apart and everything, people that you thought were your friends aren't your friends like you thought they were and it's raining cats and dogs. But the scripture says uh, that in a time of trouble, he shall hide you in his pavilion. God has a way of covering you far better than you can cover yourself. Uh, God has a way of taking care of you far better than you can take care of yourself. The scripture talks about living at peace with all men. How, how can we experience God's mercy and God's grace? How, how can we experience peace that passes all understanding? Uh, when our world is in turmoil, and you know what I'm talking about, uh, the Republicans are fighting against the Democrats, the Democrats against the Republicans, and, 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 and I mean our world is just a mess. And not only that, uh, uh, COVID and, and you name it, everything is going crazy. We are living in a world that is in turmoil. What I'm here to remind you of, I believe this with all my heart, uh, we are seeing Bible prophecy fulfilled right before our eyes. In Matthew 24, starting at 4, it says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for not my name's sake. That is prophecy, and it is be, being fulfilled right now. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise, and shall deceive many. Because of iniquity shall abound, and the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. I'm preaching to some people here today that will endure. When we conquer the flesh and live in the spirit, we learn how God works in you daily to the point where the storms are just an inconvenience and they don't shatter your peace. I know that was a mouthful. But there is a place we can get into our walk with God when these storms can rage around us, but there's a peace that's on us that goes beyond understanding. I believe that constant victory is a product of constant devotions. All right, two of you heard that. Everybody's thinking about going out to Wendy's or something. Constant victory is a product of constant devotions. So I want to ask you, what is, the, what is winning the battle in your life? Is it the flesh or is it the spirit? 
we can talk about faith and other things as well, and I'm going to ask our musicians to come. But I think what needs to happen is we need to learn how to trust the Lord. We need to learn how to yield ourselves to him and give ourselves completely and fully to him. Uh, so I want to ask you, what is your walk with God like? What is your relationship with the Lord like? I chose this, this uh, screen as, uh, on purpose because we can see, and you know, it kind of plays that old mindset that the devil's on one shoulder and the, an angel on the other shoulder. It's just, a, 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 you know, kind of showing you what really is happening. I don't, I don't believe the devil is literally on one shoulder and an angel's literally on another. But you know that the flesh battles the spirit and the f spirit battles the flesh. You know what that's like. If you've served God any time at all, you know what I'm talking about. This is nothing new to you. It's a daily thing that you struggle with. But the more we can get victorious in the spirit, the less the flesh will be a problem. If the flesh is winning, what we need to do is learn how to give God his place in our life. This isn't part of my notes, but the devil is not omnipresent. I know that's a big word, but omnipresent. Sister Ellen, you know how to spell? Anyhow. Omnipresent means everywhere. God is everywhere. The devil is not. He can't be everywhere. Amen? And so God being omnipresent can be in every circumstance we could ever find ourselves in. I believe that the enemy of our soul is smarter than we play him out to be. Now, I'm not trying to give him, you know, any kind of honor. But what I'm saying is a lot of times he doesn't have to do anything to get us to fail. He just steps back and watches us play around with our fleshly desires and we fall. I'm not saying he doesn't tempt us. He does. But he's not my problem. I'm my problem. So what I need is victory over this old flesh, this old man that tries to rear his head up every once in a while, this old, that old man, you know, again, you, not a, no offense to the ladies, you could call it an old lady if you want, but, you know, that, that old person that wants to just come up, you know, that person that you used to be and wants to come up and, and retaliate, but when you allow your, the Spirit of God to wash over you and cleanse you, then something transpires in your life where it's not a, there's a certain amount of a daily battle that may never go away, but you're living more victorious than in the flesh. Could you stand with me this morning? So these are contrary, the flesh and the spirit. It's never going to change. It's going to be that way until the Lord calls his church home. I'm trying, not trying to discourage you with that. I'm trying to just help you to understand that that battle is a part of us and can and will be a part of us at some extent, but it doesn't have to be that battle to the point where the devil wins one moment, God wins the next. 
I believe that we can be on victor victory side. I believe that we can have that peace that God, only God can give us. But it comes when we yield to the things of the Spirit of God more than the things of the flesh. Sister Melanie is going to lead us in worship. The praise singers are going to lead us in a song. If there's anybody that wants to talk to the Lord this morning, you can. Brother Brown is going to come and lead us in the closing moments of this service, lead this altar call. But we should talk to the Lord today, and we should ask the Lord to help us to be victorious over this old flesh of ours so that we might be the servants that God wants us to be, the children of God that he wants us to be. Why don't you find a place to pray right now? Message like this, every, every single one of us needs to reflect on where we're at. I would ask you a question. Which side of this equation have you been feeding the most? you've been feeding the flesh, then the flesh is going to win. been feeding the spirit the most, the spirit is going to win. And Brother Brown, how do I feed my flesh? Well, what have you been looking at? Watching. Reading. What have you been spending your time doing? <laughs> That'll answer the question as far as what you're feeding. What kind of people have you been hanging out with? What have they been talking about? What have you been doing while you're with them? That'll answer that question for you. There's a heavy conviction that the Holy Ghost is in this house because I believe that every single one of us could do a better job. 